Here we go. Catching up time. And Cheryl Orsama is joining us. You know her from Vivimus. She's our resident psychologist. And she's going to be helping us get our minds into a state where we can survive yet another week of work or family stuff or, 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 you know what? I, it, and it sticks in my mind, Cheryl. Every time you come in, six month checkup. Absolutely, you need your six-month checkup. Yeah, And all I keep saying in my mind every time is six-month checkup. We need to have that six-month. Are we getting our six-month mental checkup? We do it for the dentist. We do it at the doctor. Are we doing it for our minds and our psyche and just making sure we're in shape? And we're not. Absolutely. It's time for your six-month checkup. If you haven't made your appointment anywhere, it doesn't have to be with me, but with a psychologist somewhere in Dubai, make sure you have your six-month mental health checkup. I had a friend, and I'm I'm not going to give any details, but I have a friend who we were actually talking yesterday, and just so much going on, and this friend said, I need to go talk to someone. And, and I just, I, I got this big smile on my face, not because it was just like, wow, here is somebody who is in tune with what's going on in their life. And they realize that they need to have a conversation, not with a friend, not with a wife, not with a colleague, but they need to have a conversation just, and, and it's funny because I said to this, this person, I said, what, why, what do you need to go and have a chat? And said, I just need to have a chat. Yeah. I just need to sort stuff out. I got I got too much going on. I need to sort stuff out. And I thought, good on you. They need somewhere to come and think. Think yeah. straight. Yeah. So just on that note, James, I'll, you know, I've said it before, but I'm really pleased that there are so many people now coming forward for the mental health checkup. Mm. And contrary to what people think, so many men are coming forward for a mental health checkup. And just as you're saying, so many guys are reaching a point, they just think, <laughs> I need... To go and talk to somebody. Yeah. yeah, I can't keep shouting or staying silent at home or complaining at work. And they're really good. They're getting a lot out of coming for their mental health checkups. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because it's the little things that just start to pile. Because this is, this is what you do. So tell me if I'm, if I'm no, no. nailing it. Yeah. But it's the little things that pile up, pile up, pile up. And then what happens? Oh, you start having arguments with your spouse. You start being short with your kids. Maybe you get physical. And let's hope not. But I yeah. know that people do. Yeah. And that's like the instant that that's the bell that's going off. It's like back off. I need to go get help like now. Uh, and also just these things can just start to pile up because there's a trigger and, and it's that needle in a haystack situation where the thing that makes you snap and finally it's, well, that's a straw that broke the camel's back, but that's not the thing at all. That's got it going. It could be, you know, you're, you're, you're not getting paid enough. It could be that you miss your parents. It could be that you've had a death in the family and you haven't dealt with the grief. It, and it, all these things add up. And next thing you know, you've, you're a mess. Completely. I think it's exactly that. I think for lots of people, they stop sleeping. They're mm. not eating properly. They're feeling anxious. And there's so many things. I often liken it to like driving in a snowstorm. They've got so much coming out. The more here in yeah. a sandstorm, maybe is pretty better. Is <laughs> a better analogy. And they just really resilient. You know, they're used to being resilient. Yeah. Um, but sooner or later, there's something. Yeah, like you said, the straw that breaks the camel's back, and it can often be something minor. A road rage incident, oh. I think, is a classic one. I see those all the time. A meltdown in the office is another one. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. You said something interesting that I, I've never picked up on before. And I'm, I'm curious, because yeah. I could be totally wrong. Do, are men less likely to come through the door than women? Men are less likely to, absolutely. Okay. So a lot of men don't emote. Yeah, so they tend to internalize their emotions more. Men don't have these feelings. Well, men actually, <laughs> paradoxically, contrary to what people think, men are actually really emotional. Yeah. But they're socialized not to express their emotions. And so they're oh, encouraged no. to be really manly all the time and not show that they're upset about I'm watching something. This Is Us. I'm the one who's it's got great. the full che- right. tears going down. My wife's looking over. <laughs> Are you serious? Are you really serious? I mean, I'll be in the movies and I say, you got any any Kleenex? She's going, what's making you cry in this movie? It's just sad. Yeah, well, you're obviously one of those that are really in touch and don't feel so, you know, don't feel embarrassed to cry or express their feelings. But a lot of men don't feel comfortable doing that. That's not healthy. Yeah, and it's really important that men do come forward for help earlier if they can because... Mm. Once they get into an anxiety or depressive loop, it can spiral out of control so much quicker. Um, And most men that are kind of depressed are usually the guy that's really grumpy all the time. (laughs) Yeah, okay, we know those guys. Yes, moody, irritable, (laughs) not speaking very much. Uh Yeah, Yeah, but that's it. Most A lot of guys don't come forward, but what I'm seeing in Dubai, which is quite interesting, I'd say at least... 50% 50% or more of my caseload currently is men. Wow. And that's really good. That's and that's really unusual. Yeah. yeah. They, they've recently, so I'm at Zayed University, you know, I'm there by, yeah. by day. We've recently started a whole new program through, and I'm not quite sure who spearheads it on campus, but it's all about mental health. Uh-huh. And there are essentially now a group of people who help employees help students help faculty to understand if they need to go and get some counseling so there's sort of like the pre-counseling step where someone can just come and have a chat and and it's they're not counseling but they're helping them to go through a little bit of a checklist and it's anonymous and it's you know just just a a group of folks who've been identified as i think that Maybe they're called gatekeepers, or there's some oh, name. Mental health gatekeepers. Yeah, yes. I think that I think that's how they're referred to, and mm. they, they go through some training. There's some great training that they're doing just to help them to, and, and I guess part of it's to be proactive. And if you're working with someone, and you know, go have a coffee and say, "Look, I don't want to overstep," but how are things going? Yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Is and that within the faculties then? So it's it's within the university, and it, it's across the university. So oh. It's not just faculty members doing it. There, in fact, I think probably faculty members are the are not the most involved group of people at that stage. Oh. It's it's other folks. Brilliant. That's and then they've so got advanced. it had it happening for students as well. So you've got a group of students who are doing this with students. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's really that incredible. Is really good. Yeah. So it's they're they're really, I think, cognizant of post COVID and yeah. change and things. You know, I guess the sad thing is, the scary thing is, you know, okay, COVID is working its way through, but it, so many different parts of the world, it's in so many different stages. Absolutely. And we went from one type of world to a rapid change in our travel, in our shopping, and the way we're educated. And we're not going back. Yeah. I mean, we might go back to some things, but we're not going back. We're not just resetting the clock and saying, okay, it's 2018. We're back to, we're doing it 2018 style now. It's like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that anymore. No, the world has changed. Yeah. I don't I think, think people world, are ready for it. Yeah. We don't change fast. Humans don't like change very no. much, but 
I guess the biggest place that change is going to happen and is happening is in the place of work yeah. for so many people. Yeah. yeah. Which, which one of the questions that you brought up and, and it's, it's interesting because we sat down and it was, okay, so where are we going with this? And I was like, well, you know, I, I mean, I'd sent you a couple of ideas and that, and then we just started talking about the mass resignation or the, it's, it's talked about in the papers. Are we going to see people who are just going to resign? And in fact, Mariana, who I was just speaking with, go and listen to that podcast and catching up mm. by the way. And she's talking Toastmasters. She's talking her career in the corporate rat race. And she's talking about the book she wrote as a stay-at-home mom. And when she had to transition from this career woman to the stay-at-home mom and go through the depression of losing what she felt was her identity, which I guess so many people yeah. do, until she realized, and it was her, it's her therapist she was talking about. And she said her therapist said to her, you know, Mariana, you know, you're not really that special. Because yes. <laughs> <laughs> she said, well, you know, I've, I've got the Prada and I do this and I'm the boss woman. And she goes, not that special yeah. and as soon as she realized that for her that was a huge release it was like oh, you're right i'm i'm me and i'm gonna i don't have to be that and i'm gonna do the new me and as soon as she took off the cape from the super corporate woman and put on the super new me being herself totally different totally different vibe yeah because so many people are defined by yeah their corporate title. Well, she said the purses, the cars, yes, the shoes. exactly. That wasn't to find her. Like yes. It, it's she, the opener at dinner, who you yeah. are, where you work, what your status is. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. <laughs> but I think a lot of people are turning away from that. I think that's one of the really interesting Scary, things about the pandemic. And I, Do you get those people coming to you who they've got some issues and then you're talking and it's like, well, do you need to be doing that? I think increasingly, increasingly seeing people who question their role in the corporate world mm. i think there's a lot of people asking if this is the direction they want to continue in yeah. and is the corporate world really giving them what they hoped for because a lot of people worked incredibly hard they've yeah. done amazing at school they've got into some of the best universities and they get to work for an amazing company only to start to feel overworked undervalued Um, not able to really make the contribution they were hoping to. And a lot of people, especially people in their 30s and early 40s, I would say, really I'm seeing increasingly questioning whether they want to Mm. continue with that or whether they want to just branch out and do something themselves and have more of a say over the direction of play of their life. This is such an interesting conversation. because, And the reason I bring it up is... Just fortuitously, as you're talking about this, I mean, this this could be more, this ah, is such a perfect segue. Okay. <laughs> so, so, Tell me. So I've also been connecting with a few people on LinkedIn ah. who I've known from careers, their careers here in the UAE, and, and in one way or another, we've worked together. And they've left those positions and they've gone on to do other things. And what I've noticed is that in every single case, when they had the tra- traumatic moment of leaving their position here in Dubai and going through some form of depression and then settling into what it is they really want to do, there's this huge awakening and th- th- this group of people are talking about that. And they're talking about, I was defined by this, but really they've taken elements of those skills from what they were defined by and they've repackaged it to what they really want to do. Yeah. And they're, they're successful. 
they're happy. And, and how do we define success becomes a really interesting thing. Cause I don't, I don't know if it's, if they're successful monetarily, if you want to define it like that, Hey, they're able to live and they're able to keep doing their, what they want to do. And they're smiling. So I'm thinking, well, they can at least eat and pay their rent. Yeah. And that sounds like success to me. And a lot of people are really happy with that. I think yeah. what increasingly people are thinking, okay, I can take a pay cut because I've got so much more free time and yeah. I can define my time. My, I can define my working hours however I want and I'm still, the bills are still being paid. Yeah. Nothing drastic has really happened. I know quite a lot of people want to keep Dubai as their base, but they're traveling off to other places. They're happy to do some of their work from Thailand or Bali or South Africa or back in the UK and then coming back here. And yeah. I think lots and lots of people are beginning to wake up to this idea that there's a different way that they can earn a living and have a life. How difficult is it do you find for people to reconcile with that? Because we're so caught our our whole identity is set up around that nine to five or eight to five eight to eight to eight agenda and go 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 and kpis and promotions and start again well i don't want to well so you're me, being me, very general here no, no, but, let me take a step back because i was yeah. going to answer this question in a bit of a, a roundabout way but i love it The world of work is changing. So just like the pandemic has been a catalyst for a lot of change, but rather like the Industrial Revolution, whenever Mm. that was in the UK in the 1800s, the world of work is going to change. And we've been talking for a long time in the world of work about people really needing to look at their lives and develop more hobbies and interests and leisure activities because with the increase of technology and particularly AI that will be taking over quite a lot of the way in which we work in the next decade or so Mm. people will not be required to work in the way that they have been working so lots of things will change even in corporate structures um people will not be needed in quite the same way because they will be replaced by other systems um that's hard well, that's when you not, start I, hearing I don't that. think that's negative. I actually think that's no. healthy because I think people have become too defined by work. I mm. think there's all sorts of... We look at some of the data on the increase in things like depression and anxiety, panic attacks, and then some of the social problems like loneliness. A lot of that is to do with the world of work. People are working far too hard and mm. don't have time for much else. You meet some people, they're literally doing... 14 hours a day, 16 hour days, they're traveling nonstop. It's not sustainable. Mm. People worry that, you know, they're not strong enough. I'm not resilient enough. <laughs> I should be able to do this. And I'm sorry, but just like this therapist said, I'm sorry, but you're just human. Yeah. You're just a human being, and human beings need to sleep and they need to eat. And it's, it's they need of, people. Yeah. Cheryl, is part of the problem, though, when we're talking with folks and who are saying, you know, all of those things, but they're looking at that other person who's got a totally different group of things going on in their life. And they're saying, yeah, but he does it or she does it. I've got to be able to do like him or her, or I'm not as good. And I I can't show weakness. Well, I think that's it. People get caught up in competing. Like you've mm. got to be on the rat race. Like you know, you've got to get to the next level and the next <laughs> level and the next level and the next level, and you've got Which to. I be... think corporate world imposes that. They like they you know we're constantly graded because you can only have one top earner. You can only have one top salesman or woman, one top executive. 
Yeah. So someone's going to be the loser, and you're, everyone wants to be that. So yeah, we're a team, but we're we're working against each other in, inside. And it's a bit. Of, <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I have to sort of break the bad news to people. Is that you know there are Olympic athletes, there are Olympic <laughs> level athletes, and you know you can still enjoy running, but you may never be Usain Bolt. So, right. yeah, yeah. And I think that's something you have to come to terms with in the corporate world. There will be people who are super talented and have everything that is required to be like an Olympian in the corporate world. Mm. And lots of people will be amazing at what they do, but they'll never reach that level. And I think part of the process of adjustment in the workplace is perhaps having to come to terms with you know, where your level will be. How do we do that? Like, where do I start? If I, I mean, I, and I, I agree with what you're saying and I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm going, okay, yeah. And so the first question in my mind is, okay, obviously it's a long process, but what's, what's the first thing I should start doing to start myself down that path? I think there has to be a level of acceptance. There has to be Mm. an acceptance of the reality of life. And the reality of life is that there are some people that will have certain um, attributes that will make them successful in certain environments. And that could be, it could be the corporate world, it could be the army, it could be physical sports. There will always be people who have what it takes to succeed in specific environments. And some people will have enough talents and skills to compete at a good at a good level within those structures. That's the pentathlon in the Olympics. Yes, <laughs> they're they yes. the all rounders. They're the all rounders, <laughs> but they will never be, uh, you know, you know, the top person. And yeah. I think a part of maturing in life is an acceptance of who you are. Mm. Without that, making you a loser, yeah. or making you feel that you don't have anything worthwhile to contribute to where you're working. I, I wonder if it's almost. When I'm, when I'm listening to what you're saying, it's almost like there's, there are things we're all good at things yeah. and we all might be the best at something yeah. in our group yet. I'm really good at this. Oh yeah. But he's really good at that and that. And it's like, no, you know what? Yeah. He's really good at that, but you're really good at this. Yes, absolutely. Celebrate what you're really good at. Stop, stop looking over there and, and just start telling yourself and that, yeah, I'm really good at this. And when someone says you're really good at it, l- take that on and, and love it. Yeah, I agree with that. But I think so wow. many people are caught in this thing. But yeah, you're really amazing at this. You really bring a lot to work at what you do in this. Mm. At this. But people then think, yeah, but if I just accept this, then I'm just settling and I'm not yeah. fulfilling my potential and therefore I'm not good enough. And mm. yeah. Hence the downward loop into feeling quite depressed about and is, is that just us generating that for ourselves? Just self, you know, destruction. We just don't trust ourselves. We don't, we don't trust the comments that are coming from people when they say that. I think people is so competitive in mm. the world. Now everyone thinks you have to be on your A game all the time. You have to be the perfect. I am on my A game all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do have to be on your A game, but what I mean is, I think. No, it's I, like no. I, I, I get it. Hey, look. I think lots of people can't find it difficult to accept yeah. a level because of, yeah. even if you say that, you, no. people think then you're suggesting that they're not good enough, and yeah. that's absolutely not that. There are days when I've gone into the classroom, and I'll I'll say to my students, you know, I, I don't usually tell them when it's not my A game day, but I, I tell them I'm coming in with my A game, and there are days I've gone in and I've. I've just gone, you know what? This has been my A game day. Yeah. And I, it's, do the students notice? Maybe. 
I notice, and it's it, and I just kind of sit there for a minute, and I say, okay, well, what went wrong today? And and usually it has nothing to do with the class. It has something to do with me. It's like, oh, you know, I got this phone call, and they wanted yes. me to do something. And the whole class, my mind was only thinking of that phone call, or something's going on with my kids, and yeah. all I'm thinking about is my kids, and man, I need to be back in Canada for my kids, and I'm here with these kids, and they're not my kids, and I... And it's got nothing to do with that moment. Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah, I can still pull off the A game. And, and, and as far as everyone's concerned, yeah, I'm doing a really good job. And I'm just happy with that. Yeah. But that's great that you, you can feel that. But lots of people are stuck mm. in feeling that that's not good enough. Because okay. you're on your A game doing your best. But for so many people, they feel that that is a sign they should be further up the food okay. chain, wherever that might be in the mm. in whichever organization they're working for right yeah which is tough it's really tough it's also self-destructive well that's and that's that keeps us bringing us back you know it's almost like that's why you need to get a six-month checkup to see if you're if you're engaging in self-destructive thoughts and motions because it's just not sustainable yeah i think lots of people are now defined by their job that Mm. is it but if you remove your job title yeah. Who are you? Yeah, this is the mystical yeah. question. But <laughs> <laughs> Let's get yeah, up the Ouija we board. We're going to do some Ouija here. This is the existential <laughs> question, but I think it is. Yes, who are you? Who are you? Yeah. If you're not this and you're not doing these 16-hour days, then who are you? If you're not your degree yeah. and you're not your G, is it the American system, your GPA, because I think people define themselves yeah, increasingly yeah. by what scores they got. Yeah at school and what they got at university and which yeah. company they got in and which level they made it in within yeah. the company and how much they got yeah. paid. And then you think, yeah, but who, who are you? Yeah. 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 So that's good. I know all about your job, yeah. but introduce me to the, you. Who are you? People can't do that. I mean, that's, I think increasingly people find that difficult. Yeah. yeah. It's, and it's kind of scary when, when you strip everything away. So who are you? Yeah. It's like, whoa. It, you know, it's funny. I, often, I just use this as therapy for myself. All right, oh, right. So, but it's, <laughs> go on, James. Hit no, no, yeah. no, but it's funny when I, when when people when I meet people and say, "So, you know, tell me about yourself." And I often talk about kombucha <laughs> and uh, juicing mm. and composting, and more recently, uh, sound therapy. And then they'll go, "But you're a professor, right?" Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, I also, but those things or what I do as an, you know, employment. Yeah. But I really think I'm defined by these other things. And it's, and it's, and, and then for me as that person, and I, then as I'm thinking about what we're talking about, I think, man, this is difficult because there's a huge pull, you know, Dr. James Pikeway, professor of, you know, associate professor of communication versus James, the kombucha guy, you know, or the that sounds so much more interesting. The kombucha guy, yeah. <laughs> or or my, my more recent one is the sound therapy training that I'm doing, and it's 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 just like I st- every time I come back from taking this course, I'm it's um I must it, try it's, that it's, actually. It's yeah, it's, the bowls. Yes, I've seen it. And so I'm I've I'm literally taking sound therapy training to mm. and and look, there's multiple levels, and and those who are the, are yoga aficionados and and chakra folks, and hey, you know what? There's a lot to be thought about here. For me, it's just deep relaxation. Yeah. And a number of different, as as Marco would would say, <laughs> uh, Marco Zigon, amazing, amazing really? guy. Really. Yeah, in the UAE. He's, he's in Umelquain. Okay. And he does come to Dubai, but he, he teaches out of Umelquain. And the the ability to use these these vibrations to get 
us to relax mm. are incredible. And for me, that's, that's it. I'm, I'm so interested in deep body relaxation so that we can just think and get away from all of these things that are on our minds just for a minute. So that when my, when I'm, when I'm done, I can sort of say, okay, now let's have a talk. Yeah. And, it releases and, tension. Oh, and, and you know the crazy thing, and this is, I feel almost selfish when I, when I take these lessons <laughs> because it's really about me being the giver and someone receiving as I help them with these bowls. But I leave the whole process very invigorated and mm. very, and also very, in, in a sense, relaxed as well. And so, uh, you know, my wife uh, tends to be my patient now uh, <laughs> as, as I just need lots of practice and, and friends and, and mm. things. And, but I, I find I get so much benefit from it and it's just so different than the definition that's typically put out there of who's James. Yeah. And I like this other definition better. (laughs) Honestly, I just find it much more rewarding. It speaks more about who you are. For example, I never talk about my job outside of work. Yeah, me neither. Unless I'm with other psychologists, for example. Then. I never hang out with them. So I'm really like that. You probably don't hang out with too many other I, psychologists. I, don't, I, generally, I generally don't. But I really, people know that I'm a psychologist. But most people that know me, that are my friends, will, they don't have really any yeah. idea about what I do for a living. I mean, they know what I do, but I am just, yeah. I just don't talk about work away from work. And I try not to yeah. be defined as a psychologist outside of my work so when I'm at work I'm really in my role and I really love what I do and I'm passionate about it but actually I'm I've always been really careful not to be defined by that in my social group do you think that's where people go wrong is that they they literally take work home with them and that they're so becomes people's identity I think it's that I think Uh. it really helps people feel they know who they are if they Are a lawyer, or they're this, or right. they're that, and that is the main topic of conversation. Until and you lose that job. Until you lose the job. <laughs> then, then those people are also knocking on your door because, well, I'm a lawyer, and I'm not a lawyer anymore. Yeah, and that's actually a huge one that I see is when people lose their job or at the point of retirement. Mm. Lots of people struggle with loss of identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like oh, <laughs> I work for this company, and I was so and so in this company, and now who am I? I've got nothing yeah. to do all day. Like my kids don't know me. Yeah. I don't. I can't find anything in the house. I don't know how to make myself a coffee because I don't know where to find anything. Like they've become so disconnected. Um, that it causes a bit of an identity crisis. A bit. It sounds. I mean, that's a huge one. It's. I, I, I mean, you always hear the stories of this person who retired, and then you know, two, two years later, they died. Yes. Because they just didn't know what to do. There's some scary statistics on what happens when people retire. I'm afraid maybe mm. that's another subject. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. I think so. People have to be careful because if you work really, really hard and then you retire, your life expectancy is not that high. So really? people really, yeah. And I think actually what I love is every generation brings something, doesn't it? Uh-huh. But the younger generation, I think people in their 20s, late 20s, early 30s, they are really doing things differently. They are yeah. not going to kill themselves in these 90-hour weeks. No, what's in it for me? So, what's yeah. in it for me, I think, is completely yeah. and utterly is the new mindset. Is like, is this working for me? And yeah. if it's not working for me, then 
I'm yeah. not staying and increasingly you're going to make a lot of money yeah but do I really need all that money it's like yeah it's not worth it I've, I've young people are not that bothered what they've yeah. discovered is they, they can live somewhere halfway decent they can pay their rent they can see their friends they can surf or they can yeah. go mountain climbing and they can still make a living then they're happy with that yeah. so they're highly <laughs> educated they're very capable they're very tech savvy and yeah. I think there is a whole change in the way that young people work, and it is actually yeah. really quite invigorating to watch that. Yeah, yeah. no, it's exciting, and and I've I've met those young people who, you know, they're doing great jobs, but they don't pay particularly well. I mean, they they pay enough to they pay the rent and they pay the the toys and things, but you wouldn't look at what they're doing and say they're going to get rich, however we define that. But, you know, that's well, people not... People are redefining wealth, aren't they? Yeah. Like I was talking to somebody recently who just left the corporate world. And yeah, hey, I know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like every time they walk out the door, you need to have the confetti cannons. <laughs> oh, and they're making, they made a lot of money. I think okay. it was 33, and they're earning an amount of money. <sighs> that's crazy. But yeah. actually, the redefining wealth is that... They'd rather wake up in, I think it was either Bali or Thailand, one of those anyway, yeah. and because they got enough money and wealth for them is getting up and being able to surf. There you go. That's it. It's probably, actually, probably in Bali. Yeah, probably Bali. I think it might have been that. It's that, that is the redefinition of wealth, that they yeah. got more than enough to live on, but yeah. they don't want to live their life, get to 50 and think, I spent all of my... Hours sitting in an office, and now I've got bad knees and I can't surf, but I can see. You know, I think that's it. Actually, yeah, that happens to so many people. I've met. I I remember talking to someone who's, you know, in their eighties, and they were talking about this whole idea of getting on in their age, and and because they're older, you know, they've they've sold they've sold a lot of their assets, and they've they've liquid. They have a fair amount of cash. Yeah. But they can't do anything with it. So all of the things you'd like to do when you're our age, it's like, yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to go on a trip around the world, or I'm going to take this big long vacation. I'm going. They can't do it anymore because yeah. they're not mobile as they used to be. And you know, if you've got to walk on uneven surfaces and things, and you're in, you know, you're much older in that sense, and you don't want to have necessarily mobility aids that's the politically correct term oh, now. mobility, mobility yeah, aids yeah, i heard like, that the other day i said oh, mobility okay. aids i like that okay. but if they don't want to have those things or if you're feeling awkward about using those things when you're traveling you're done you can't travel yeah and i think it's interesting as the world moves more towards you know all of this mindfulness and yeah. people are embracing some <laughs> there's a lot of mindfulness going on <laughs> philosophies and various things like that a lot of people are just thinking, I'm, I'm going to live in the moment. I'm just yeah. going to enjoy my life yeah. in the moment. <laughs> and I'm not going to keep obsessing and worrying about having a pile at 60, which, as you say, I think yeah. they've had parents or relatives that have got to that age and really have not been able to enjoy it. They haven't done very much. No. Yeah, including but. move very much. <laughs> I, I think we uh, we had our, you know, get, I'm getting up there in age, right? And uh, <laughs> the finance guy. Talking to the, talking to the finance guy, and and we're having a chat, and he's he's the guy who's who's putting on. He's saying, um, "We need to start talking about this," and I'm kind of going, "Really? I mean, it's gonna, it's a, he goes, "No, no, no, we really need." And I'm going, "Yeah, it's going to be okay." And he's going, 
let's have a serious talk though, okay? Like, 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 and I'm going, okay, I, I, that, you know, it's going to be okay. And he goes, it's, it's not that far away, James. <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting it. And we're, because we're about the same age, and we're not getting any younger, man. It's, yeah, uh, but- take a look at the calendar. It's just, just be mindful of that. <laughs> but that's panic station's retirement, though, isn't it? Because I think oh, that- that's what he doesn't want us to be. He says, I don't want you to wake up on the cusp of retiring and be panicking. So I just want you to be thinking now. Mm. And have you thought what you're going to do? And have you thought where you want to be? And have you thought about all these things? Because, and I went, why would I be thinking about that? I mean, I'm young. And he's going, you were young when you moved to the UAE 22 years ago. (laughs) You're young at heart. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're not as young as you think you are. I went, yeah, I guess you're right. He says, I just don't want you to panic. He's like, okay, good. So, you know, a little conversation and there's a plan. And I go, plan's good for me yeah and i think plans are good and pensions are good but equally you do have a life to live and i think what's the other thing is is lots of um people in the west are choosing to retire in cheaper places i think in the u.s so many older people are retiring to mexico where they can have an amazing life. panama costa rica baby yeah (laughs) panama costa rica mexico yeah and then i think other people in europe they're going to places like the philippines thailand yeah i'm thinking that too i'm thinking how old are my kids maybe thailand's gonna be six months in thailand six months in canada india's another place where people can just retire and live really comfortable lives we're just got good health care and easy repatriation if i I'm in, there's an emergency. That's all yeah, I'm looking at. Exactly. I don't like snow. So, yeah. and in many of these countries, they've got great health. Yeah. They've got great doctors. If you go to India yeah. or somewhere, you're gonna you're not going to be short on a good doctor, yeah. a good dentist. Exactly. So I think the whole world of work is beginning to change, yeah. and people's ideas about. I think we've been locked into panic for far too long, haven't we? Yeah. And. These, it gets into your head, isn't these it? These imperatives, you must own a house, and you must yeah. have a car, and you must have this, and you must have a pension, and you must. Yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. own a house. People always look at me and say, well, you, want, you have a house back in Canada. Yeah, no, that's actually that's actually one of the problems for me when people say, oh, you're going to move back to Canada. I said, Canada's 5,700 kilometers across. Yeah. And okay. an equal number, if you go north, which I was just listening to today about a place up north that's uh, 100 kilometers above the North Pole. Sounds really beautiful. Fly in only. Oh, right. Uh, or, or <laughs> wait, wait, yeah. Is, I mean, I, th- I think I might have got that wrong. But anyway, it's the most northerly town in Canada that sounded amazing really yeah it sounded really cold yeah it'd be freezing Mm. Uh, at at some time of the year yeah but this is for me again a little bit of a head trip where because people say well you must own a house i said actually i don't oh they said oh you must own property no no i don't own property either (laughs) like i literally don't own any real estate in canada i go where are you gonna live i go that's the problem (laughs) it's not physically am i gonna live in a house or that and basically my wife and i look at it we go we're not gonna. We're not gonna own property. Mm. It's just not possible. I mean, when you look at buying something and age and this, and it's like, I'm not. It's not going to amortize over the, the period of time. It just doesn't make sense. I'm not going to get the benefit of to getting that mortgage, and unless like, you get somewhere and get really lucky, but it's not going to happen. So, yes. so for me, it becomes okay. So I'll either be a renter or whatever. But again, when people say, "Where, where are you going to go back to Canada?" I, say, I don't know. Yeah. This is the problem. I mean, I know where I quite frankly don't want to live, but. Where would I move to? I don't have that anchor where so many people I know have said, well, yeah, we've got, we own a house in this town and or in that town or in this place or in that place. I don't have that anchor. And that's terrible. I mean, it's mentally, it's like I'm, I'm astray. 
Is it terrifying, or is it that you've liberated yourself and that well, you and your wife could technically well, that's the other choose thing. to live anywhere in Canada if you that, chose to? And, that, yeah, I and think it will we, be okay. I think we've come to the liberation phase where literally we could live anywhere. You could live anywhere, and, and that's quite exciting. Yeah. In, in whatever form that is, a tiny yeah. house. I'm could. thinking tiny house. Yeah, I, mean, I think tiny I, houses are really interesting. And it's, it's funny, right? Because we're that, that's become this big en vogue thing. Yes. The tiny houses. Yeah. You ever seen how people live in Japan? Yeah. Unless you're living out in the countryside, even those houses aren't very big, which is an interesting thing too, because those houses amortize down to zero. So when when some old Japanese folk is living in Kyoto in in this property in these houses, by the time they're eighty years old, the house is worth nothing. Yeah, and they tear them down. They tear them down. Really? Yeah, yeah. They tear them down when they when they're done. And so I got a, a friend who. That's interesting. I yeah. didn't know that. And and so I got a friend who lives out there in, in a property, and they were tearing down the house beside him. He said, "Perfectly good house," and he wanted to go in and do some salvaging. And they said, "No, you can't do it." Why? They just don't do it. That that's the whole thing. It's just part of the culture. They just tear them down and build something new. Oh, somebody will build on that side. Probably, yeah. They sell the property and build something new there and start afresh, and then. That's quite an exciting yeah, it's, idea. It's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. And mm. I just thought, wow. But yeah. So that's I, the next thing, becoming less attached to things. Mm. I think that's as well. Again, the younger people are becoming less yeah. attached to things and thinking, actually, you know what? I've got a house. It's a tiny house, but it's got everything in it I need. And yeah. I'm a minimalist. I don't need loads of stuff anymore. So yeah. I think there is a lot of change going on. I think it's um, exciting. It's quite exciting. It's, it's exciting for, but the problem is, and I, I guess this is where we constantly run into it, is getting our minds so that the young are already there older people are less so and then you've got some people who are never going to get there and then you've got this middle group who are in the cusp of all this change and it's changing around them and they could resist or they could go with it they're still defined by their job but they probably don't need to be defined by their job it just racks your brain well a lot of people are defined by their job and their status and the oh, yeah. things yeah. where they live the car they drive got the, the tiffany bracelet the on tiffany bracelet the rolex watch <laughs> the job title they have yeah and i'm you know you respect to people who uh want this for themselves but i think you walk a bit of a dangerous path if mm. you really believe that defines you as a human being because yeah, all of these things can go tomorrow. And I think that's when, you know, we, people live with a certain belief that the job will go on forever. Yeah. But the world markets are changing rapidly yeah. and you can lose your job quite quickly these days. Um, and, and it's everywhere. You know, it's schools, things. And we were, we were talking about universities, but it, you, I see it here in the UAE. Let's let's talk about schools. That, that works mm. for a second. Where I read something the other day where a high school was closing down. Oh, yeah, we, I've heard that. Quite a few schools have closed. And, I'm going, and, and in my mind, schools don't close. They only close when there's no kids. And you're now living in an area where there's no children anymore to go to school. But schools don't close. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's a future-proof industry. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's like I think for teachers and educators, suddenly it's like, you mean I could lose my job because my school's going to close? Like, how's that possible? Yeah, schools are closing. Yeah. What do you think that's about? Is it? Are you thinking? I guess my hunch is that about either people leaving or is it people choosing homeschooling as a result I, of the pandemic? I think it's that's a, the other thing. I, I've heard I think there's. Saying. I think there's people leaving. I think there's people picking different ways to educate, yeah. and I think that a lot of schools are premised on a return on investment mm. 
And when people leave and decide to homeschool, they're no longer getting that, that return on investment and that, and that horizon of investment. And then they just, they just go, look, we can't, we can't make a go of this business. And so they're just cutting their losses. Mm, that's and interesting. It, and so I think it's, it's really a perfect storm of things that happened, but it's, you, you know, you can only cut back so much you know, on a school. So, okay, well, we're not going to invest as much in the library. Okay. We're not going to invest as much in the IT. Oh no, now we're not going to invest as much in bringing in new teachers before no one's going to come to your school because they're going to say, well, this is, I might as well be homeschooling. Yeah, and I've heard of that, teachers losing their job. And yeah. Be, yes, it's quite interesting, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, again, I think I in the UK that, that doesn't proof. happen. Yeah. No, it's like, so this again. There's plenty of jobs in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a teacher, listen up, you can get a job in the UK. <laughs> so it's, it becomes, you know, and again, that then plays with someone's, I thought my job was going to last. Or if you're, you know, I've, I've heard people working at accounting firms, you know, where they, they get the call in and we've got to, we've got to downsize by 10% of our, our staff and they get a call in in the morning to the the boardroom and says oh you don't have a job anymore here's the yeah. payout and thank you it's like what do you mean this is i'm an accountant this this job doesn't end it's like yeah well it just ended yeah i remember yeah on that subject of things happening quickly because i remember when lehman brothers you know the right, went yeah, down because yeah. i used to uh, come through canary wharf every day and I will never forget Lehman Brothers. So every morning you'd see fleets of Mercedes arriving and these executives getting out of the cars and the building was beautiful. And then I think it was the 2008 crash happened. Yeah, yeah. And then coming back from work, seeing hundreds of Lehman staff walking out with boxes and bags with their stuff. And, and that it. was it. That yeah. was it was over in... Um, can you imagine? Imagine, yeah. and that was happening all over the yeah. all over the city. People you, with these, you know, golden jobs were suddenly yeah. without work. It just well, happened overnight, and it happens in all industries. Because it happens you, in all industries. I, I remember when you when you talk about oil and gas industry in Canada and Calgary, Alberta, was a, a phase where a lot of the oil companies, especially when the the price got to a point where it's unaffordable to pull the stuff out of the ground in Canada, mm-hmm. you got these oil and gas industry execs who. Or not just the execs, the folks who were on the ground, drillers and pipe fitters and et cetera, who, mm. who had built a life on pet- petrochemicals. Man, we, we need oil. Everyone needs oil. The prices are just skyrocketing. We're, we're in la-la land here. Yeah. And then prices tank and suddenly, well, we don't need you anymore. Yeah. And you go, well, yeah, but I got a house and I got a car and I got a mortgage and I got three kids going to school. And yeah, well, you don't have a job. And so mm. I was like, whoa. And this is how I got interested in the world of work, actually, just because I grew up in a part of uh, England in the north where so many industries went, oh. coal mining went, okay, yeah. chemicals went, um, these things, um, the shipworks, uh, uh, people that worked in the shipyards, all of those went. So there was a decimation over like a 25-year period where people went from having really well-paid jobs and served apprenticeships to literally nothing and just depression that's just the mentality forget the depression of the economy the depression of the people the depression of the people Ah, absolutely it just changed people so dramatically because they went from having an identity and a pride in the goods and services that they produced to having nothing imagine imagine a family where my grandfather worked in the shipbuilding industry my father worked i'm gonna work and my son's gonna work exactly and my daughter's gonna work in the shipbuilding industry and oh yeah no you know we closed the the shipyard that's it that's exactly what happened you'd have several generations of platers and different things like that you know 
they took such pride in the work that they did in their craftsmanship and they knew that they were considered the best in the world. And overnight, those industries just went. And I think that's how I really started to become interested in work and the psychological impact of, Mm. you know, of work yeah. the meaning what you know, when you've got a good job how yeah. that really helps your psychological well-being and how psychological well-being can be so affected by a loss of meaningful employment and mm. what we saw in that part of the world is jobs being replaced i'm sorry to say this but by you know these highly skilled people having to go and work in mcdonald's for example and going from having meaningful work yeah. to jobs to make money and how yeah, that affects your psychological well-being too. Well, sure, because you know, if it's not meaningful work, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm doing this great job, and I go and buy my burger at lunch, and I would I would look at the guy who's working there, and I'm yeah, poor sucker. I or think that's that, yeah. I think it's not that they disrespect the no, people that work no, no, at McDonald's, just, but what it was is just. But hold on, I'm a highly skilled. Yeah, well, that's it. I didn't electrician mean it. or something yeah, like that, and I didn't mean it in, yeah, yeah. in disrespect. It's just like well, on the on the the the. the scale of jobs i'm up here and that person who's running the cash and flipping burgers they're they're building their way up and they're starting off in their career it's a start off job yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a it's a student job it's a start off job it's you know just it's a in, job in a uniform that they felt ridiculous then and these yeah. jobs obviously to use a term they would use in england quite working class industries right, yeah, yeah. but they were very well paid so that also meant that the economy and the towns in which they lived in did really well, were, did really well. and so they were used to having good amounts of money and so self-esteem was good and various things like that and i guess we're seeing that more and more in corporate world is yeah. that it's unstable and people sh- shouldn't imagine that they're going to have a job for 20 years in the same company anymore because yeah. that's the other thing that's changed yeah People used to be company guys didn't they people yeah. work for the same company from the day they graduated yeah. university to the day they retired yeah, yeah. I, i'm kind of in that position where it's kind of weird because i've been in the same company for 21 years yeah yet around me there's three of us who've been in where i work in my specific unit who've been there for this length of time. I'm the one who's been there in, in of the oldies, the least amount of time right. at 21 years. Wow. And there's two people who've been there a little longer than me. Yeah, but I think that's a good thing. Well, it's a good thing, I but I'm around people who filter in and out, you know, three years, four years, three years, they come and they go. Yeah. And I've, and it's, and it's almost like that's the norm three years, four years where you don't know how to deal with the people who've been there for 20 plus years. Suddenly it's like, well, you've been here 20 years. It's like, yeah. It's like okay. Um, I don't know what to say. The secret is low staff turnover is a good thing. <laughs> you kind of want to be able to retain the talent that you've employed, and I think that's the big issue now: is that companies cannot retain yeah, yeah. the talent that they've recruited. Yeah. Is that people are just moving really quickly? Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Do, do you think the big resignation is going to happen, or it's happening? Do you think yeah. people? Are, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of. I like that. You're just emphatic. Yeah. I think it will happen because a lot of young people are just not, they're not prepared Mm. to accept the way their parents worked. And lots of people will say, you know, my mum was amazing, my dad was amazing, but they worked really long hours. We didn't see them very much. And I'm so grateful because without them, we wouldn't have gone to this school or done these things. But I just want it to be a bit different for me. I just want to have a bit more life work balance. Um, I remember that with my parents. They would, my dad would be gone. He'd, he'd leave, you know, porridge or cream of wheat on the stove. Yeah. He was gone. We'd wake up, he's gone. Yeah. We wouldn't get home till seven at night. That's it. You know, we'd be waiting. 
I mean, you know, dinner, we would ever, we'd, you know, be doing homework, but subconsciously I'm waiting to hear him drive in the driveway and say, Hey dad, how's it going? And then not thinking until, you know, today going, man, he must've been dead tired. Yeah. And all I want to do is talk his ear off and show my schoolwork. And hey, I've got this. Like, can you? I've got to go to the pool. Do you want to drive me to the pool because I got to do this? And he's just going. Oh, I just want to sit down and do nothing. Yeah, I it's think like, that's it. People had tired parents. And, yeah. And now what happened is you've now got both mom and dad probably both working in yeah. competitive jobs and coming home both tired. Yeah, so, I'm going. Oh, that doesn't work. Yeah. So I think the great resignation with the pandemic. I definitely think lots of people enjoyed being at home and having that work and having time for their kids yeah. and just thinking actually we can accept less we'll move out of our expensive apartment yeah. wherever that might be in manhattan or london or somewhere and we can go and live somewhere in the countryside for a fraction yeah. of the price and we can cut our costs and have a really good life so i think it's coming yeah and now you're talking about kombucha and everything i know certainly in the uk and i think it's happening in other parts of the world Lots of people now are getting back to wanting to have some land to grow their own vegetables yeah. and different things like that. So yeah. I think people are looking... Live a little healthier. Live a little healthier, live off the land a little bit more. So I yeah. think those things are happening. Um, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Maybe then it, it creates a balance and you get rid of lots yeah. of people who were just maybe not always being as productive as they could be in yeah. the workplace because they're bored and not that motivated. Yeah. And so maybe organisations will then attract people that really, that is their dream, people that really want to make it in that world. Maybe it's been, maybe this whole pandemic, on the bad side, some scary numbers of the number of people who've lost their lives. Yeah. But the other side, it's, it's forcing us to rethink about how we define ourselves with our careers, what we want from yeah. our careers, and what it's worth to us. Absolutely. And What's I, the value of my life? I think that's yeah. what lots of people are... What is the value of my life? And if I really value my life, is am I living my best life? Is this mm. really the best that I can create for myself? And sometimes you need to have a chat with someone like yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Cheryl Rosama. <Okay. laughs> Thanks. But, but absolutely. Yeah. You know what? This has been a lot of fun, Cheryl. Yeah, As likewise. always. Okay. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop it right there. Okay. And we're, we're going we're gonna to schedule in a repeat visit. Okay, so thank we you. Could talk Great about to this. talk to you as always, Jay. Viva Mas is where you are. And, yeah. and, and I love what you said at the start. I said, look, it's not about coming to see you. Yeah. But see a psychologist. There's a really good psychologist in Dubai. So just find someone that you feel would fit with you and go and talk to them and have your mental health checkup. Here we go. It's the same message. I love it. <laughs> Sharwa Osama joining us here on the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Share the link with friends. And there's a whole bunch more for you to listen to. So scroll down, take a look at what we've been talking about. And we'll talk to you again real soon. So long for now. Thank you.